welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey, everybody. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. Well, as you guys have obviously seen, football is back. The preseason is here. Uh, Saturday was a ton of fun um, watching the game against the Chicago Bears. Um, really enjoyed that. Um, especially, I know you guys enjoyed this, all, all the listeners did too, but watching that first drive, it felt exactly like the first drive of the 2019 regular season. We went right down the field, Baker to Odell up the seam. Our first, our, our starters just really looked clean and effective on offense. Um, and just to cap it off with uh, effective driving Austin Hooper, our new toy get into the end zone on that first drive. It just feels good to see. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you, you always like seeing the offense like lead it off with a nice, easy, clean drive and then get off the field because we don't want anybody getting hurt. New coaching staff um, clearly putting their mark on the team. It's good. It is good. And Jedrick Wills at left tackle, I mean, he had the one false start on that drive, but I mean, he, he didn't look out of place. Like he, he, he didn't, he wasn't st- – tripping over his feet you know he's he's moving pretty good seemed seemed to be in sync um it's still super early obviously yep. we got three more games to go but i mean we had a whole game too you got a lot of case keenum action and you know got a little bit of garrett gilbert that nice long pass to jojo natson always like to see it i mean it's just fun seeing football again that's all i gotta say yeah it's nice to have the pads on see everybody coming together um, and some of the depth at wide receiver. I felt like all of our wide receivers played really well throughout the entire game. Um, we have a lot of them, and they all got some time. I feel like the play action is just giving them the opportunity to get open, just that little extra bit. And then uh, how do you feel about Alex Van Pelt? He was calling plays for most of that first half. Um he was trying to be the anti-Freddie Kitchens, and he, like, called good plays <laughs> that strung together and, you know, kind of, like, made some sense. It was exactly the right move. That works. He looks that like works. Freddie Kitchens. But he, he, he does. But, but he doesn't play, call plays like Freddie Kitchens, and that's, a, that's good to see. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the way Freddie looked. It was, it was all about calling the plays. Um, all right. Well, that little bit was brought to you by Miralax, our <laughs> new sponsor, Miralax. Uh, when you need a smooth, um, regular bowel movement, <laughs> you're going to need to trust Miralax. Um, all right, so enough of that, enough of that. Let's actually talk about Browns football, I'm sorry. Um, so we, we, football actually is back. The Browns are in padded practices, and so they are hitting each other, and... Um, I haven't actually watched any of the full practices, haven't had time, but Michael, I know you've gotten a little bit to see Baker throw and um, see some of our new guys out there. What have been the highlights to you? Um, I haven't seen a ton of it either. I've got bits and pieces whenever I've had windows of time to be able to log in, but um, I did watch a good portion of it today, um, and it was fun to see. Odell definitely looks like he is in a different place health-wise than anything we saw last year. And I've been particularly encouraged by the Baker to Austin Hooper connection. Um, like, they definitely seem like they're on the same page. Harrison Bryant is even looking good with, like, the second team. Like, there's clearly a lot of tight end action, like, on this offense. Like, Case Keenum's throwing to Harrison Bryant with the second team. I mean, Njoku's getting involved, um, for sure. And you're seeing there's been some deep balls. Kaderil Hodge has had some really nice, like, deep plays. I'm sure you've seen the highlights from that. 
Um, I, I love that. I always love a touchdown where the wide receiver catches it through the back of the end zone, like without stopping. Like his momentum just takes him through the back. He gets two feet down and just like keeps going. <laughs> yep. And um, he just runs into the locker room. Yeah. Just, just, we're out. I mean, it's really hard to honestly get a good assessment like this. Whatever, you know how like you watch the broadcast version um, like on Sundays live. Then you get to watch the all 22 and you feel like you understand like what's going on a whole lot better. This is like the opposite of that. It's like <laughs> it's like watching the broadcast version, but like you get less information than yeah. that. It's like I mean, there's like two camera sideline version without <laughs> any of the context. It's it's a really bad. I mean, like the view is like you see the center and you see Baker, and the camera moves towards Baker when he throws it and follows the ball, and it, you just don't get very much. You can't see what's going on with the secondary. You can't see what's even going on with the linebackers, to be honest. You can't see the like blocking scheme or anything like that. And I'm sure part of that's intentional. I don't think they want to be showing their full practices to like competition. Um, so I get it. Um, it's good to see him slinging the ball around, but you can't really glean that much information. Well, well that's what's going to be interesting in this year in particular is that that lack of transparency. Um, you're going to have teams, especially teams with new coaching staffs like the Browns come out and be kind of an unknown quantity to some extent. I mean, people can look at what the Vikings did last year when Kevin Stefanski was calling plays, but that's not necessarily what he's going to do with this personnel group. Definitely and, not. And likewise, yeah. I mean, you, you think about what the Ravens did last year where um, they everybody kind of suspected Lamar was going to run. They straight up came out and said Lamar was going to run, but then the preseason they didn't really show much of it. And then they came out in the regular season and just start rolling people and like had this whole new thing. That's going to be even more magnified this year. If, if teams kind of mix it up and come up with something new, I think that's our best case scenario going into those first couple games is that's we've got half full look. Yeah, we've we've got something that nobody's used to seeing. Yeah. And I, we could surprise some people. I haven't thought of it that way. That's definitely true. I've been thinking about it from the other side of the coin that these organizations that have a set plan that are doing the same thing that they have last year because of this shortened pre shortened preseason and not having preseason games and everything like that like i think baltimore's just gonna come in and roll the floor with us they're just gonna wax us week one i just don't think that it's possible for us to get to the level that baltimore will be at by week one um i said the almost the exact same things on the podcast last time we recorded a couple weeks ago um I'm pessimistic about it. I mean, I think that it hurts when you have new staff coming in and you don't have, like, actual game reps to work out some of the kinks. Like, yes, some of the schemes might be good, but the execution I don't think is going to be there simply because the guys still haven't had the repetition to be there. And I kind of – it's all about execution. <laughs> like A new blocking scheme with a rookie yeah. left tackle. Like, I think there's going to be some growing pains for well, sure. And I'm that is one thing I'm particularly concerned about, and I think you probably have a list of topics and we're planning to touch this, but um like I hate that JC Treader is hurt right now for that particular reason. Like this offensive line and the blocking scheme is different than what we've done in the past. And you want that unit to be together. And JC Treader's he's probably not the most important person to be there, but like he is the center, like making the calls and like is pretty pivotal in that entire like unit i guess 
you know, if somebody's got to be out, you want it to be a veteran like that that can probably step in and like and execute and do his job as expected. But to not have those starting five together for the like very abbreviated camp that we have this year is is kind of painful mm-hmm. when we're going to this new blocking scheme. He also he has nothing else to do but hit the books. Like he's gonna know the scheme, he's gonna know the plays because he can't get out on the field. So from the center position, that's. Hope so, as long as that's he's not too distracted half-way. by his role as the NFLPA well, president well, well, that's or what, his Vicodin that they're giving him after the surgery. <laughs> well, well, that's what I was wondering. You you brought this up before the pod, and we'll get to the impact of J.C. Treader's injury. Yeah. But we were talking about he just had a clean-out operation. How, like, did he injure something and then it necessitated the clean-out? Or is this, it sounds like it's more of like a long-term maintenance thing. How are we just getting to this in the first week of camp? And... Timing it couldn't be, be worse. Is it because J.C. Treader's been the president of the Players Association and dealing with all that crap all offseason instead of like physically working out or maybe physically taking care of himself? I, I think you can do both. I'm just, I'm just saying that. I mean, I do like on the surface think it's kind of silly that like something like this couldn't have been evaluated. Like, couldn't there be like a a pre-physical like a month before you're supposed to show up to like kind of knock something like this out so that you're ready to go well and you think these guys would know their bodies well enough to to know if something's right or wrong and they have their own doctors and they can always talk to team doc like you would think you would think this just wouldn't surprise and your body is everything you would have your own personal i would be tom bradying it up like i would have my own personal physician who knows me and or or at least be like hey my knee kind of hurts like yeah. maybe I should go like yeah, talk just, to somebody like about. He it. has to feel something. Yeah. Like you would think if they're going in to clean out his knee, yeah. like something obviously showed up in the physical, and they're like, "We better take care of this now." And that's that's where we're at. But it is kind of hard to believe that he there wasn't any sort of inkling of something. I wonder you know, beforehand. This is just speculation, but I wonder if it's something that you have to do closer to the season because it's going to have to be redone. And so the sooner you do it towards the beginning and the start of games. It's going to build up more swelling in the knee, and it's going to have to be redone. So he didn't want to be on it during the whole preseason and stuff like that. I, I, that Interesting was, point. It's, that, it's, that, it's complete yes. speculation. That, that, would seem, that would seem odd to me, but uh, who knows? We hey. are no medical doctors here, <laughs> so uh, we probably shouldn't speculate anymore. I just want to give J.C. Treader a little bit of credit that he wasn't slacking the entire offseason. He just doesn't want to go through camp. That's he was like. This is gonna take like three weeks to recover from. We're gonna do it the first week of camp, dude. That guy, I think, is staying in the hotel. His wife is pregnant, and so they don't they don't want any extra risk of exposure. And so he's like not staying at home with his wife. He's staying at a hotel through all of camp. Brutal. I'm not gonna doubt his dedication. Monster. Like, I'm not or gonna doubt his dedication. Maybe to, him and his wife are like kind of on the fritz <laughs> that's what he's telling people <laughs> it's not his baby maybe he <laughs> rumors started here um, i'm sure the treaders are lovely folks i'm sure they are i'm sure they are all right so there's been uh we started padded practice and there's been um a myriad of important injuries um including your very own um miles garrett he's got a hamstring injury um, and not a lot is known about exactly what is going on, but I've heard some murmurings that he should be back in the next couple of days. Chris Chris Kiffin uh, says that he'll be back in the, he's a couple of days they, away from returning. They've been really downplaying this. I think it's like a minor tweak. They're being careful, 
he doesn't have to practice all preseason for all I care, as long as he's healthy and ready to go week one. Like, I really don't care if he hits the, like, practice field the entire preseason. Like, that's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like him to have a bit of an opportunity just to, like, hit a couple people, get the knock the rust off um, as far as the physicality goes. But I'm not, I'm not worried about Miles right now. If he's not back in two weeks on the practice field, we can revisit this discussion. Yep. Yeah. So then there's um, Nick Chubb, who is in concussion protocol um, from a hit he sustained uh, from Mac Wilson, um, which I didn't actually see the hit. Matthew, tell me, like, what happened? Did it look like there was – was it unnecessarily aggressive so, from Mac? Or? So they, they weren't supposed to be tackling to the ground in this in this drill, is, is what I've heard. And Mac kind of came in hot and, like, wrapped up high, almost clotheslined him to the ground from the, from the from side behind, or but the yeah. side yeah um it didn't look i mean given given the drill if they weren't supposed to tackle to the ground yes probably more aggressive than necessary the actual hit and the fall to the ground didn't look particularly vicious and chubb hopped right back up and ran to the huddle and looked fine so i don't know exactly what's going on or what happened if they're being extra cautious or if symptoms showed up a little later and they it's, well he it's, walked off the practice field so i think it's shortly a, after that i think it's a situation of the browns following concussion protocols pretty pretty strictly i mean like it's one of the situations where you know his shoulders came and hit first you know his feet kind of in the air like on that type of hit like that's like the it's like a red flag for anybody watching out for a concussion protocol and so they went through the process yeah. but the thing is is i think if he's in the protocol I'm pretty sure there's like some signs that he may have had a concussion. So I, I don't think this is a great situation, um, but hopefully he'll be able to get back out there. The good news is well, we have I a... I certainly don't think it's a great situation. But No, no. The the good news is is we have Kareem Hunt. And, you know, even if, you know, Nick Chubb has to miss some time, we have the best backup running back in the entire NFL, I would argue, um, in Kareem Hunt. So Well... I mean, PFF position rankings came out. We've got the second and the 11th best running backs in the NFL on our <laughs> roster, which is not, I mean, not a bad spot to be. No, that's great. And, I mean, Nick Chubb is going to be – he's going to be back before the season starts. Like, how often almost, are you out for almost a month certainly. for a concussion? Almost certainly. The thing that scares me about a concussion, though, it's like it's one of those things It's like you've got one, it kind of seems to, like, make you more inclined to get yeah. – future concussions and but, if you go you know like when you're a running back and you're like lowering your head and like getting in the middle of a pile and running hard and all that sort of stuff that's like, what was so bizarre about this one because nick chubb is such a tank and hasn't dealt with this since he's been in the nfl i don't recall a single mm-hmm. concussion of his and so half of me wonders if it's he wasn't prepared for contact and like it, it caught him by surprise yeah as far as i care nick chubb can sit out every every full contact practice until the season starts. Nope. Like like go through walkthroughs, go through half speed, see the hole, whatever. Put Hilliard in there to, to go get to, to go get hit by the defense. Um I think Nick Chubb will be just fine. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement about that too. Um and the perpetrator of that hit, Mac Wilson, um, he went down um, with a significant hyperextended knee 
um, in practice today. Um, so he'll miss some time. Um, they'll do some more evaluations, and uh, the time frame is unclear about what's going on there with his knee, but it, it didn't look pretty. He was demoted to the second team, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, coaches were not happy with him for, for what happened with Chubb the, the day before, was demoted. I don't know if that is um, directly related to or if that was just trying to cycle linebackers through, give people an opportunity to kind of I – don't, I don't think we have anybody who's established in the, in the starter position, so you, you might as well cycle through. So I don't want to read into that too much, but um, – we don't have depth at linebacker. So as as much as I'm not sold that Mac is our answer at linebacker, I would hate to see him lose any sort of time where that takes one option off the table. Yeah, I uh there's that new saying that they're repeating over and over again, like no no bark, all bite, something like that. Is there a person on our team that that's going to be more difficult for than Mac Wilson? Like when Kevin Stefanski said, this is our new slogan, was Mac just like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that. Like, <laughs> I can't follow through on that. I'm all bark. I'm nobody. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that, I mean, I feel like this is just a symptom of that. Like he's, he just, he's over, he's aggressive, he talks, and he's, he's both. I feel like he's both. He's all bark, all bite. Both of those things. Um, but yeah, hopefully he'll be back. Um Let's talk about um, some other opt-outs that happened since we recorded our last podcast. We recorded on Monday before the deadline, so the deadline was going to be Thursday at 4. And since the last time we recorded, Andrew Billings actually opted out, um, which is unfortunate. What are your guys' uh, opinions on that and the other opt-outs? I mean, it sucks. Matthew brought up on the last podcast how like one of the things he was most excited about, about the season was our defensive line depth, and Billings was a big part of that. And now that now it feels like we're only three deep and one of those three at defensive tackle is uh, a rookie that I don't think anyone like expected to have to contribute in 2020. And now all of a sudden, like we're rolling into the season and we're counting on a rookie to contribute at defensive tackle. And if, if who knows what Jordan Elliott's going to do. And the, the three that we have, I mean, it's two, three techniques and, um, Okunjobi plays the one tech, but I mean we've got Anku, we've got a quality. He's not like a, like a he's not like a real like anchor stout one tech. He's more of an athletic like try to shoot the gap. He's got more kind of pass rush credentials than a typical one tech. What Billings brought is yeah he can get after the passer, but he's he's had big bodies that like stout anchor, which gave us a different a different flavor, a different feel that I feel like we're missing at this point. Um, no doubt. I don't. No doubt. I don't know if we've got the guys on the roster that we need to to fill that role in Anku and and Aquale. Aquale. Um, I think, but we'll see. Anku is the most likely candidate to fill that like more like nose role. Um, we'll see. I mean, it, it would not shock me at all if they go. I mentioned this. I think last time if we have a couple of additions on the defensive line on the interior and um, on the outside, depending on, you know, who becomes available and whatnot um, as cuts happen. I, I think that a little bit of depth there could go a long way. And um, I thought we were in good position on the inside, but now with Billings out, that kind of leaves us in. Well, a it makes spot. me, it makes me a little bit nervous about our defense. I like our defense largely, but we're, we're thin through the middle, like through that spine of our defense, 
defensive tackle, linebacker, and even safety to some extent in kind I think of proven I'm actually, players. In proven players, yes. I think safety is going to end up being just fine. I'm not too worried about the secondary at all, honestly. If if our safety room stays healthy, I think we have enough depth to and reasonable quality players to be fine. But like, you get a guy like Carl Joseph who's had injury concerns. He's gone. If he gets hurt, and then say Delpit, you still has got some, greedy. You got Delpit. Like I think Redwine is actually like quite solid. I'm like pretty excited about Redwine and his possibilities. I feel like we've got four pretty capable safeties um, that we can like roll through out there. And I hope so, but we're probably going to play three of them. Yeah, most yeah most downs, and so we've we we need a a good number, and that starts getting thin pretty quick. Sure. So on the opt out conversation, did you realize that the Browns had the second most opt outs of any team, second to only the Patriots? Yeah, but I feel like they were largely n- not impactful. I mean, the opt-outs. most impactful is clearly Andrew Billings. Yeah, and Drew our, Forbes would be and our, second yeah, most. And then our depth on offensive line came out. I don't know. I don't think anyone's mentioned this, but I think I you can draw a pretty like direct correlation in line to the fact that J.C. Treader, the NFL Players Association president, is on our team, and how many offensive linemen we had opt out. I think those are like I'm not like just creating a conspiracy theory like he had they had a more direct line to someone with like information that they could get to understand like what all of this meant and were able to make more informed decisions i think than other players possibly could have i feel like the browns had a lot of um back end of the roster guys opt out too like like some of those guards who i didn't even know were on our roster (laughs) opted out and i was like who yeah like i wonder if jc treader's being like Hey, hey guys in your position like if i was you this is not worth it like <laughs> take take your 150 no, and like i come have back zero doubt year. in my mind that with all, they're all guards they're all in the same like yes. r- room as jc treader like he clearly had no definitely yeah. has a relationship with those guys like that is there's no doubt in my mind that that was a significant factor in those guards yeah. like opting out guys who aren't going to make the team just opt out take your bag yeah they should Especially if you don't know if you're going to have another chance to make a team. Like, it's like, oh, we're going to take money from your future yeah. contracts. Well, <laughs> sue me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, we got the details on the Miles Garrett contract since the last time we met together. Um, and, you know, we had the numbers. We had the large number. We knew how many years it was going to be, but they didn't release all the nitty gritty. Um and so I'm, I don't remember when that came out, but I'm interested to hear what do you guys think about it. Would it be, do you think it's even more favorable now or about the same? Or I think it raises more question marks to me. Like I, it just makes me want to have a beer with Andrew Barry and like understand the like rationale and the reasoning. I think there's a bunch of options. Like I would be curious to hear your thoughts, Matthew. Um, I know that you, um, Jack Duffin, if you don't follow him on Twitter, does a lot of like write-ups and pays close attention to the salary cap and um, did a cool article in talking about the structure of kind of the three big deals of the offseason for Andrew Barry. So Miles Garrett being one of them, but also fo- looking at the Andrew uh, or the, the Hooper deal as well as the Jack Conklin deal. Um, and the, the big piece that came out on the Miles Garrett deal is that the first year of the extension – 
2022. So that's 2022 because his rookie contract went for the next two years is at a significantly reduced base. I mean, like the actual cash paid to Miles on that year is. Are you looking at it right now? It's like 13 million or something like that. Yeah, his actually his actual cash is 19, but his cap hit's only 13. Okay, so like really reduced cap hit in 2022, and so then the average hit over you know the remaining four years of the deal is pretty significant. I mean, it's north of 25 million, obviously. Yeah. To counteract goes, from that, from there because... it goes 29, 32, 27 and a half, 28 and a half. Um, what was unique about this is, and Jack said it better. This is one of the first deals in a long time that has a double option. So he's got his signing bonus. Then a year from now, an automatic option kicks in, which basically gives him another signing bonus. And then two years from now, another automatic option kicks in, which gives him basic, basically another signing bonus. So it's all of the, it's like tiered this way, which pushes the like spread the of the guarantee, the like cap hit. Yeah, it, it pushes it down the line. Um, I don't know why this is a, a very player friendly deal because it pushes guaranteed money down later into the deal. It's harder for the Browns to get out of the yeah. deal like this, the way that it's structured. Um, and, which is why you don't see it very often, because teams obviously don't like player-friendly deals as much. Um, but it's interesting to think about when the NFL's new TV deals coming in to play, when the salary cap might be jumping. I mean, where so Miles the, I, Garrett is really affordable on this deal all the way until 2023. And even then, it's not egregious. Like, it, it's... Miles Garrett's probably going to look like a, a well-paid player, but hopefully still a bargain at his $29 million. Yeah, so I think there's like at least three different reasons I can come up with why they would structure it this way, where there's very little ca- you know, cap hit in um, 22, but like significant cap hit in the last four years. It's either what you just touched on, the TV deals coming in and anticipating you know, a pretty significant jump in the, the salary, salary cap, cap like you know, starting in 23, that could be a big piece of it. I wonder if they structured this at the 11th hour, because they've clearly been talking about this for a while, um, knowing that the salary cap might take a dip next year and take a little bit to catch up. That's a possibility. Like it could have entered into the conversation where the Browns wanted that flexibility and we're going to guarantee the dollars down the line to give us flexibility right now. And probably closely related to that, like a third option, I wonder is just, maximizing a window of opportunity that they think they might have in the next few years when we have some key core players on rookie contracts and you keep the cap hit low right now so you can add in you know veteran players we're rolling over cap we right now have the most cap room in the nfl and by pushing off some of that expense for miles garrett you like maximize your window in the short term which is the next three years I mean that's a pretty like significantly sized window. I it, I don't know if it's any of those. This is a very this isn't a very Sashi Brown type contract. This no. is a very Howie Roseman type contract. Which yeah. Andrew Barry went and worked for Roseman with the Eagles for a year. Um, this is Roseman signs people early, makes is, adjustments is to like fit people under the cap, like as he goes, and he'll yeah. like. And they're they're always they're always working to get under the cap every year, using using every dollar, trying to be competitive. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see as the Browns transition out of this like building stage into a competitive stage, how Andrew Barry continues to manage the cap. We currently have 40 something million dollars in the cap that'll continue to roll over if we don't use it. Will he be aggressive? We've got people coming up on big deals. Obviously, Miles Garrett was the biggest one. We've got Baker, we've got Denzel, maybe Nick Chubb. Who who knows? How how does he use Yeah. And I think the average fan that doesn't pay close attention to the structure and even you know think about this sort of thing is like, oh, the Browns are in great position. This is awesome. They re-signed all these players and yeah. like look at how much cap room we got. We, we can go and, sign the best free agent next year. And they don't it's realize like, yeah, that like yeah. that amount of available funds is like shrinking and like there is a big payday coming for a Miles Garrett and if Baker plays well, like a Baker, like in the future, like that's gonna shrink up real quick. And there's a the huge patience. payday coming for Baker if Baker plays well. Oh yeah, I mean even the, if Baker plays okay, there's probably a big payday coming for Baker. And so like that, the the patience, you know, right now the fan base looks at like how our front office is managing things and is like, this is awesome. Um, and pretty quickly, there's going to be a lot more tension in that scenario. There's going to be some pain points yeah. where. We we can't keep. You don't people. sign a Nick Chubb, maybe, or you let a Jarvis Landry go, or something like that, and mm-hmm. um, or a Sheldon Richardson doesn't right. doesn't get signed in the off season or gets released in the off season. You know, yeah. Um, it's it's players like that that don't 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 come through at that point. So it'll be interesting to see. It's it's the big takeaway. It's backloaded, and we'll see we'll see why coming coming down down the. The train or the I'll, pipe. I'll or ask Andrew Berry whenever we get that beer. Whenever. Yeah, let us know. Whenever that happens. Let us know if I'm available. Yeah, if, if I'm yeah, available, let I'll me join know you. if that happens because he's ever in Nashville. Um, so the the Browns are coming to Nashville this year, and I am really excited about that. Hopefully, we will be able to have fans in the stadium then. Um, I wanted to take a second to look at all of the games that we're going to play throughout the entire season and make our record predictions right here at the beginning of the season. Um, Hopefully we can go back and see where we were right, where we were wrong. Um, But we're going to go through week by week, game by game, um, and talk about who we think is going to win and what the end result is going to be for the Browns. And so we'll start in week one. Can I just say, can I just say, that I'm glad we're at a point where we can like reasonably look at the schedule and say like it's there's going to be games to like actually play and that we can project the schedule and look at the schedule and say whether we're going to win or not. Like I was really worried about what my fall was going to look a, like. I'm going to take app. I'm going to take this week by week, but I feel yeah. like we're going to get to week 1 like <laughs> at this point yeah. and we'll see what happens after week 1, but I'm least, looking forward to September 12th or 13th or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, the 13th. We're at least going to watch the Browns play the Ravens. On that day. Um, so let's go through. Uh, Michael, if you want to uh, lead us, tell us what, what the game is, and then we'll all say. Yeah, um, for further clarification, we actually all went before the podcast and went through and made projections on each of these games, uh, what we independently thought. So we the areas where we have difference, we'll, you know, we can chat through our perspective on that. But um, week one at Baltimore, uh, we all have this one down as a loss. Um, we've talked about it a little bit already. But it's it is it's a tough one from my perspective. Baltimore just returns everything. Like they are the continuity. I think is going to ma- matter so much in this season, 
and the Browns having too many question marks. It's at Baltimore. It's just too big of a lift right it, now. Baltimore's like in one week of the best one, like in if we're playing in like a couple months into the season, I like our chances against Baltimore a whole lot more than week one. And I just I can't reasonably rationally find a way for the Browns to win this one. That, that, no. That's my take. Uh, barring uh, outbreak in the Baltimore facility of the coronavirus coming up yeah. here in a few weeks. Lamar like, might not even yeah, play. If he La- could have COVID. If Lamar gets COVID and so does Mark Ingram and so does Greg Roman, then I think that maybe maybe we could have a chance. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that they're going to come in with so much continuity, exactly like you said, um, and we're going to be running an entirely new new system and we're going to be working out the kinks. Yeah. And w- the next game is like right around the corner. We turn around and play on a Thursday night. I love that. We've done that. Cincinnati. Did we do that? We did that two years ago with the Jets. Or no, that, that was, was week, week three. three. But I love those early, early season, like quick turnarounds where you're still like so pumped about the season and you yeah. get like two quick hits like back to back. And it's advantageous for us in this situation because the Bengals are going to be starting Joe Burrow most likely and playing Joe Burrow short week, you know, on most the road. Like- Unless he gets hurt, like Ryan yeah. Finley's the only other option they got. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm saying there's yeah. there's a lot of factors. You you don't know COVID. But we've all <laughs> that's gonna be like our crutch. Like here's anytime the thing. anything is like, well, COVID could happen. You yeah. know, here so so babe, here's why I lost five hundred dollars gambling this weekend. It was COVID. I couldn't COVID. Help it. The guy coughed on my chips, and I was like, I don't want them. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> We've all got it as a win. It, in fairness, and honestly, I'll just go ahead and give the preview. We've got, we've all got the Browns beating the Bengals both times. This is this is the season, but it's a hard is, game. It's it, not the easiest game in the world. It's a tough game, but it's against a rookie quarterback, a bad offensive line, uh, that that defense, a whole new secondary they brought in. Basically, this is a game you have to win. If 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 you're the Browns at home against the Bengals in a week two matchup against a rookie quarterback is second game no preseason games you have to win this game or else just freaking go home everybody is so down on the Bengals, like being competitive and part of it is the division like the division is just brutal Got like great skill positions but like if you look at their offensive skill position talent it's pretty good they've added like significant depth on the defensive side like i don't think they're going to be a bad defense like i i don't think their defense is going to be phenomenal but they have they're going to have a solid defense i expect I mean, they added DJ Reader. They have added some skill and like competent I'll be, football players. I'll be to the interested secondary. to see their coaching staff because I don't feel like we got a good feel with the roster <laughs> last year of if they're good. Sure, but like that skill position talent is quite good yeah. on, on offense. No, but their four, offensive line four might be the worst in NFL history. Like, their offensive line is beyond bad. And if we bring a fully healthy defensive line to the table, like, that's where we're going to eat. And it's it could get ugly. But also, what a horrible situation for Joe Burrow to walk, walk into. I mean, he has great he has great wide receiver talent, like you said. But, I mean, there's nothing worse for a rookie quarterback than to have pressure in his face constantly. I mean, like, that's what – that's the book. If you have a rookie quarterback, you just make him uncomfortable. And we're, we're going to be able to do that throughout the entire game. You would think so. I look forward to watching Bobby Hart just get dominated on the yeah the the right side of that line. I, so that, I just I wouldn't be shocked if Joe Burrow was not good the whole season long. Um, I think Joe Burrow is going to. 
I think Joe Burrow is going to put up some really good numbers. He might throw a lot of interceptions just because he's got to force some things. But he's they're going to be behind. He's going to have to throw the ball a lot. And he's got players to throw to. Like A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, they just drafted, what's his T. face Higgins. from Clemson? T. Higgins from Clemson. And they've got John Ross sitting out there to like stretch the field too. Like They have talented players. And Joe Mixon is not a slouch at running back. Like He's no. a good running back. And so, like, they've got talent there. Like, I think he's going to put Uzama. CJ Uzama. CJ Uzama, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, enough about the Bengals. We've all got the Browns winning that game, which brings us to week three. We play Washington at home. Um, and this has got to be the, the easiest game on our team. schedule. You think? I think so. Hmm. I think their defense is solid. Um, the but Jets? We play the Jets. There's some easy the, the, games on our schedule. The, the Jets aren't good either, but and the at, Giants at home against the Washington football team. <laughs> I don't know who's starting it. I mean, it's probably Haskins, right? Uh, uh, it could be Alex Smith. Could be Alex Smith. Alex Smith should not come back. Have you seen his leg? His, Have you seen what it still looks like? I'm glad he keeps the sleeve on that. I'm glad he keeps the sleeve on it. It looks like he that. moves fine though. Have you seen him move around? Like he's in. It looks. It, it looks like it that like tiny Voldemort. Painful. It like, looks like that tiny Voldemort that came out of the cauldron. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I don't know how. I don't know how that's not painful to run on. Like, it it looks just like. Yeah. How do you play football on that? I yeah. hope he does. I mean, that would be awesome. I mean, I, that I think would be, it would be so awesome cool. Too. I think it would be great, but I, I'm, I'm doubtful. I'm still convinced he, he hasn't been doing all this just to keep his like guaranteed money, like the the whole like oh the whole time. Like, nope, I'm playing. Just keep oh yeah, keep it going. It. It's I'll, an I'll awesome just, story. I'll just keep I'm rehabbing. So he's back. Like, we're good. But you're right. Like, plenty of question marks at quarterback. Their skill position talent is very questionable. Like, it's Terry McLaurin and not much else. Like they have Terry McLaurin, they their running back situation is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Now that um, Darius Geis, Adrian is Peterson out. is like the clear number one. It's Adrian Peterson. He's like thirty five. Like Bryce Love is sitting out there, like, but we don't Didn't know if play he's healthy. Last year. JD yeah. McKissick is on their roster. They've got like this like crazy mishmash of like running back options, um, but literally like no wide receivers outside of Terry McLaurin. Their offensive line is terrible too. Do you know who their number two wide receiver is? Can either one of you name their number two wide receiver? Jameson I mean, Crowder's not I, there anymore. I do not blame um, you if you can't. No, I, no, I know it's, it because it's of fantasy. It's Perriman. No, it's not. It? He went to no. Perriman is with the Jets. That's right. I don't know. I have no idea. The man's name, and I don't know nothing other than his name, <laughs> is Stephen Sims. Is the number two wide receiver for the Washington Redskins, and that's no like a fact. Like. Firm in stone. He's their number two wide receiver. I would not recommend drafting him in fantasy. <laughs> he's like the fantasy like flyer, like in your last round, last pick. Like, yeah, he might turn into something yeah. just because there's going to be volume that has to go his way. Anyways, <laughs> Steven Sims. Know nothing else about him. I would um, love for Michael to constantly be referring everything back to fantasy, fantasy football. Oh, the whole time. He that's has, how my brain he has works. been in yeah, our personal sure. conversation. Yes, no, so, exactly. Like, like I was like, I'm Lord. surprised that's the first time it's came up on the pod. So Dallas, uh, we go to Dallas for fourth game of the season on October 4th. Um, Matthew and I have this as a loss. Mark has it as a W. Uh, Mark, why do you think we have a chance against the, the Cowboys? Um, I'm, I think the Cowboys will be good. Um, but I basically I looked at this schedule right here, and I looked at the Cowboys and the Colts. 
and I said, we're gonna win one of those, we're gonna lose one of those. I don't necessarily buy into the Mike McCarthy, like I'm gonna come in with a whole new system and a whole new idea and we're gonna completely revolutionize. Uh, the Cowboys offense was really good last year. Um, and I have I have, I have, have fear of the Cowboys offense. They're probably gonna be better. I mean, they have this offensive line continuity. They, they added CeeDee Lamb. They have a good offensive line. CeeDee Lamb is very nasty. I can't agree or argue with any of those points. Um, they lost Byron Jones. I think their defense is going to take a significant hit from from last year. I don't think they're going to be as strong in the secondary. If I was making a case for – I mean, I picked the Browns to lose this game. Um, but if I was making a case for the Browns to win, it would be that Mike McCarthy might be a doofus. Well, and he's he's so conservative. That's what that's he's yeah. so conservative. So it you can get in the way of yeah. your skill position talent yeah. if you're too conservative. Like I look at the roster, but like I think the best case for the like Cowboys not meeting expectations this year is Mike McCarthy like being a doofus. Um, anyways, so that moves us to you mentioned Mark that the fifth game is against the Colts, which that Colts team they are well coached. Like I feel good about their like coaching staff. And they're adding a much more competent quarterback, but on the backside of his career with Phillip Rivers. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Probably the best offensive line in the entire National Football League. Yes, I agree. And the skill position talent is not, not, I mean, a, not they, spectacular. They added Jonathan Stewart, so they have that's a pretty solid running back option that they have now. Well, in didn't addition they, didn't to Marlon they, Mack draft and Liam Himes. Yeah, Jonathan Stewart from Wisconsin. That's not Jonathan Stewart. That's um, Jonathan Stewart's the old running well, what back. What did I say? You're right. What a, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Sorry. Taylor, yes. Um, from Wisconsin. Apologies, listeners. Um, but then they've got T.Y. Hilton. They've got um, – and they drafted – Paris his, Campbell. Michael, Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Like, I think there's plenty of options. They've got there. young, unproven. Like, they, they could hit I mean, and be – Jack Doyle's like a pretty like nice solid average tight end. They added Trey Burton this off season. There you go. Um, I, I mean, I'm not worried about their offense at all. Like they're gonna run all over anybody if they if that's what they want to do. They get a lead. Like I feel like they're gonna play like the Titans did last year if if they have the opportunity. Well, I think it'll be. It'll be really interesting to watch Philip Rivers in this offense. It's the best offensive line he's ever had, probably. Um, it's yeah. probably one of the better. He's the defense with the Chargers last year was better, but he's got a good defense, so he's got like that core around him that he never quite had out there in San Diego slash LA. So it'll be interesting to see. I think he's going to be plenty good enough to to make them good. I'm just not sure about the kind of whole package altogether. Yeah, but you've got this as a win. Mark and I both consider this one a loss. I, I have it as a win just because I'm not sure about the skill position and how it works. And Phillip Rivers is going to be super aggressive. So, I mean, they're they're going to win some games and they're going to lose some games, but they're going to go down fighting. Yep. yep. I, also, I just also think that the Colts have a ton of continuity, that they're going to roll over from last season to this season and continue to improve. Um and I think one of the most important things on a team is how good your offensive line is. And like Michael said, they are, there's a very good case that they have the best offensive line in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chris Ballard just completely flipped that offensive line around. Another pretty good offensive line is the 
Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, who we play the next week um, at Pittsburgh. Me and Matthew have this chalked up as a loss. Mark has it as a win, um, this first game against Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I have us winning and losing, like splitting with Pittsburgh, so it doesn't really matter when it happens. But Yeah, and I kind of view things the same way. When I went through this whole schedule, I basically looked at our conference, and I'm like, I know what we're going to do from a conference standpoint. I feel like I have a fairly good gauge. Like, I know we're not going to run through the whole conference. Like, I know that our chances are decent of beating the Bengals twice. I feel like we can split with the Steelers, and I'm skeptical that we can beat the Ravens two times. And so I basically have us going three and three, splitting with the Steelers, losing both to the Ravens, and winning both against the Bengals. If we beat the Ravens last year, we could beat the Ravens one time this year. But you and I both just watched that game within the last few weeks. The game was garbage. That game was luck. Like yeah. I, the Browns got super lucky. Like we forced some turnovers that we didn't necessarily like. Just like you know, we got we some ca- lucky and turnovers. And we capitalized on it. And I think we schemed up a couple things. Like and Lamar just like really mit- like that was far and away Lamar Jackson's worst game in 2019. And I just don't think it's going to be easy to replicate that. Um, it was an early season game. I think it was like week three or something like that. Um, it wasn't week three because that's when we played the Ravens. It was like week four. But it still is going to be a challenge, I think, to replicate that sort of game. It's definitely in the cards. Like I, I don't think it's impossible for us to beat the Ravens. I would just say if I was betting, I don't think I would give us great odds to, to win e- either of the games. No, that's fair. And let's, I mean, the Steelers are kind of an enigma as well. I've got a splitting with the Steelers losing on the road winning at home i don't know that it matters in 2020 but well that'll be truth be told i don't know what to think about the steelers that the defense is going to be good i mean they're going to be like the minka post minka fitzpatrick pittsburgh steelers defense we saw last year they they haven't really lost anybody on that side of the no, ball that defense um, is nasty that's the problem with both pittsburgh and baltimore is both of their defenses are like so are, nasty are real nasty and i don't know what to know think about big ben at this point, what, what he's going to look like, and we don't have any preseason games to figure it out. So so we'll see what happens there. Their skill position players in Pittsburgh are not as good as they've been in the past. I mean, we, we saw that last year with Juju. Their season's um, going to be won and lost by how well Big Ben Well, plays. they're going to have to rely on him so much. Well, it is going to be... More than they've done in the past. And if, if, you had to guess, heavy. if you had to guess right now, put your lot down about what Big Ben's season's going to look like. What do you guys think? So the thing that's most interesting to me is, you know, going into last season, everyone was real high on Juju and, like, what he was going to produce, and he had a really disappointing season. But Roethlisberger wasn't there nearly the mm-hmm. whole season. So it almost feels like a lost deal. Juju got hurt. He had a crap and so, But they've got Deontay Johnson coming in. They've got, like, I feel like there's some players there that, like, can sustain the Steelers' offense. I have doubts about Roethlisberger yep. being able to sustain his, like, previous level of play throughout an entire season. And he's, I'm not so sure. He's a guy sure who's always been hurt shot. and he's just getting older. So like he takes he takes hits, he gets hurt, he fights through it, and now he's thirty eight. It's just gonna be harder and harder to do. Yeah. So I think it's definitely possible that he gets hurt and isn't able to play the whole season. I could see them being twelve and four. I could also see them being like Five and eleven. Well, because they got kind of lucky, like riding their defense in like a historic number of turnovers last year, and you're not going to replicate that. That is not that is not sticky from year to year as far as turnovers go. 
and they didn't do anything to like add more backup quarterbacks or, or like any talent behind Roethlisberger. They're rolling right back with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Like that is the crew. I feel like Cam <laughs> Newton should have landed there because they should have signed Cam for cheap for one year and then re-signed him when Big Ben retired. Anyways, um, the I next game that. is at Cincinnati. We have that as a win. We already talked about the Bengals. And then um, all three of us actually picked wins on the next two games as well. So it's the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a home game. And then another home game for us is against Houston, which I'm honestly surprised that we all picked wins in these two games. Like, I think whenever I think Neither of Houston, one of those teams are slouches. Like, I think both of those games can – those teams can both put up a fight. Yeah, for sure. But whenever I think of Houston, I just I have a constant like bitter taste in my mouth of like what their organization is doing. And like to trade away DeAndre Hopkins um, and only get David Johnson in return is just like like they're not going to have the wide receivers. They're not going to have a running game. Here's they're the not going to like their, their defense is is their not, defense isn't good. Is JJ Watt. Yeah and, yeah, and JJ Watt's getting old. He's not as good as he used to be. And like. Their offensive line isn't great. Like, they're they're just not that good. They performed well last year. Deshaun Watson a, is the only thing yes. that, like, scares me. It's just, on a, that it's off, just Deshaun on Watson. Team. And they won a lot of games last year, but I don't think that they're necessarily that good of a team. It's going to be interesting because I think everyone thinks highly of Deshaun Watson, and rightfully so. I think we're going to see truly how like much of a like how gamer transcendent Deshaun, he is. Yeah, yeah, like this is like a big deal. His his honestly, it sucks that he's losing DeAndre Hopkins. But if you just look at his receiving crew, like it's a pretty good group that he's got now. I mean, they traded for Brandon Cooks, so they have Brandon Cooks. They have Will Fuller. They have. Um, he's got a bunch of guys who can't stay healthy. They yeah, have Will Ken- Fuller plays six games a year. Kenny Stills tops. And they have Randall Cobb, which like all of those guys have injury questions. <laughs> but like, when's the last time any of those guys has played sixteen games? Oh, Cobb played all season. Last year. No, he didn't. To, With the Cowboys, he played all season. Last they're going to need to wheel four more in. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who you, will they be lining up? You need at least people? eight of those guys if you want to have a full team. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Where's Kiki Katu? Kiki Cutie. Cutie. That's right. Kiki Cutie, and he's on their team too. Um, anyways, I, I think they have talent there. If they if they can luck into some um, injury luck uh, with those that wide receiving they, crew, like, they very, I could see I could see Watson having a huge year. They very well could. Um, the flip side of that matchup is the Raiders, which I just don't buy the Raiders. I I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I don't I don't love John Gruden and that coaching staff. I don't I don't know. I just I just haven't He's seen got a it. bad taste in his mouth. He's yeah. Really detailed analysis here from Matthew I mean, I, on the I, Las Vegas I'm, Raiders. Well, also not I understand what you're saying. I just I, don't think Derek Carr's great. He's not aggressive enough. I don't think he's a good fit with John Gruden. Dave Mariota. Yeah. <laughs> the definition of not aggressive enough. Um well, Tyrod Taylor is actually the definition of not aggressive enough, but to be fair. Uh, I love Josh Jacobs. I, I'll be interested to see what Henry Ruggs can do. I mean, Darren Waller's great. I don't know that I'm scared of that defense, really. They've got a couple nice pieces, but I just don't see what they bring that we shouldn't be able to beat them at home before the bye week. 
after I Cincinnati. Agree. How far do you think Tyrod Taylor gets in the season for the Chargers? That defense is super good. So it's like the the formula for Tyrod Taylor to to perform well enough to have a record good enough to justify. He got another shot. hard knock. He's getting a lot of face time. And he I don't is. think Have that, you watched any of it yet? I just watched I the first episode. I don't think that anyone's really like beating down the door for Justin Herbert to like start. Like I don't see that locker room really dude. like rallying behind Justin dude, Herbert. Dude, hard knocks makes him look pretty good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. I, th- I mean, I I think that team wins a good number of games because that defense is so yeah. freaking loaded. And if they start winning, then they're not. They gonna, can start. Like, they the can start running the football. Yeah. Like Tyrod's gonna make a couple things happen. They'll score like 18 points a game and be I above love 500. That. I love that defense um, for the Chargers, but they are not on our schedule this year. The next game after Houston is the Philadelphia Eagles. Which surprisingly we all picked as a loss. We're clearly of like mind with this one. Um, the Eagles just have a lot of players that have been around, and if it seems like they they were everybody's like Super Bowl favorite last year they're going like into the, the season, they're like the and, organization that beats the crap out of us all the time. Like if you compare rosters, like we might have a better one, but they're just. They've got More experience. Organized. They've <laughs> got they've got experience. They know what they're doing. Like if they stay healthy this year, yeah, is like they could like they could make some noise. Um, and I I just think um, it's going to be a challenge. We're not going to be able to win. You know, I had three wins leading up to this: the Bengals, the Raiders, the um, the Texans. I I don't see us winning all of these games. There's going to be a loss in here somewhere. To me. Similar to your point, Mark, it could be the Texans. It might be the Eagles. Um, I don't really know. But of any of these organizations that I'm confident in, like the Eagles are the one I'm like, I feel the best about. And so it seems like the most likely spot for a loss. Yeah, as a franchise, like is Carson Wentz going to be healthy at this time uh, in the season? Like that's going to be a huge factor. Um, The Jalen Hurts show. There's so much that you can't predict. Um, That'll be getting wild. to this point in the season. Which, like, the Eagles will be a tough game, but the next one should not be a tough game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are, to me, this is the easiest game of the year, is the Jaguars. And, and, it, and it very well might be. And it's worth pointing out that the Browns have four. probably four of the worst teams in the league on our schedule, not including the Bengals. I mean, if you include the Jets and the Giants in yeah. there with Washington football team. Five, if you include the Bengals, we play them twice. Yeah, so that should be six wins, hopefully. I mean, the schedule's favorable. If we're just the sixth worst team in, in the, the bo- league, at the we bottom end, the schedule is very favorable. Yeah. I mean, we've all got the Browns beating the Jags. I don't think we need to like beat a dead horse here. Like, there's not a whole lot to of reason to think that the Jags should compete with. We the Browns need to win that game. Well, we'll see what the Jags are at that point. They, I mean, they could be in full tank mode. Oh, absolutely. By that, at that point in the season. Which brings us to a challenging game, another AFC South opponent, which is the Tennessee Titans. I have the Browns actually winning this game. Um, you both, and we live in Nashville, so we get a pretty good look at the Titans and you know have conversation about the Titans fairly regularly. You both have this as a loss. Like, Why are you thinking that we will not be able to defeat the Titans? Well, when I originally put my schedule together, I had us going 13-3, and three, and that <laughs> felt unrealistic. <laughs> So I appreciate the optimism though. It's it's good. So then I had to go through and reevaluate some and I think Mike Vrabel does a really good job. I think that 
if we lose to a team, it's going to be a team that kind of runs the ball down our throat because that's what we're weak in um, in our defense. We're, we're weak in the interior defensive line, and we're weak at linebacker. Um, so I feel like the Titans just fit that bill. It's on the road. We lost to the Titans last year. It's the, the, They've got a pretty good defense. Here's the thing. The Titans' like, defense is good. Yeah. The Titans' defense is really good. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry is an absolute animal. He's got the rushing title from last year. And also, um, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he went on an absolute tear. At the end of last season. And it's a question whether Ryan Tannehill can continue to do what he did in the last season. But they had the third most efficient passing offense on top of Derrick Henry last year since Ryan Tannehill took over. And so, like, if you're going to use last year as a barometer for what they're going to be this year, and I don't know if that's wise, but if you're going to do that, like, I think the Titans are better than us and they're going to beat us. Yeah, see, I think that's really where I'm coming at is – I don't see that continuing. And I don't see, like, building your team like the Titans have as a run first, like, just feed the ball to Derrick Henry and rely on well, Ryan all, Tannehill. Well, it can all go downhill so quickly. Right. Like, like if they don't get like, into a positive game script, they, like, have a hard time. They have a real hard time. And I and I think the same thing's true of the of the Ravens. Yeah. Like Which is it, why that playoff game was so fun. Right. Titans got ahead. Because Titans jumped ahead and whoever they, like, got ahead. they had their yeah. number. <laughs> like, whoever got ahead at the beginning was like, oh, well. It was the you, race. race you to, won. <laughs> yeah, the race to 10 to 0. I mean, yeah, that's so true. You get 10 on the board, you're good. But I just think it's such a dangerous, like, risky way to build your team. Like, it, it feel, like you could tell yourself it's a conservative way to build your team. Like, right? But I think it's actually, like, a really risky way. But it like, narrows way. your window of opportunity. It yep. Definitely, like, narrows the possibilities for you. And so I just. I, if I had to guess, my sense is is that that falls apart. That they had a lot of things go the right way. Their red zone efficiency last year, like they scored a ridiculous number of touchdowns. I think it was like seventy seven percent of their red zone trips, they scored a touchdown. Last but, year, which, that's because which is of like Derrick Henry, which is like the Browns which in twenty eighteen. But the, like the historically. Yes, the Browns like in 2018 were hyper efficient, led the league in red zone efficiency in 2018, and we were like, "We're on top of the world, we're unstoppable, we're gonna beat everybody." And then 2019 came around, just and we just ass. couldn't do anything. No, and it it's is, like, oh, we were terrible. No, it is also very similar to what happened to us in 2018 to 2019 because after um, we lost Hugh Jackson and we got taken, we were like the number two most efficient offense in the league, yeah. um, only behind the Chiefs. And I, I was on top of the world, and I thought we were going to tear through the league, but then obviously we took a big yeah. downturn. Like those sort of it's things, like when you have those outlier sort of like statistics like that, like they just come back to earth. It, it, it does. Like it's so hard to replicate something like that, um, that Not- sort of efficiency in the red zone. And so I see that happening for the Titans at large. And so I, projecting into the season, I do think it's a tough game, but I, I can see the Browns um, pulling that one out. Hopefully we'll find a way into that game, even if there's no fans. I yes, we'll we'll make a few calls. We'll talk about it offline. But I've got a new connection. I've got a new connection there. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, Maybe get a helicopter and just float above. (laughs) That'd be sweet. I I think I would actually enjoy that more than a a game full of fans. Just be the only fans. COVID. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be dope. Are the stand? Are the concessions still open? Because I want a beer. Bring your own. <laughs> to bring your own. It'd be a NASCAR race. <laughs> yeah. A NASCAR race will show up with a cooler. 
<laughs> so the next game is Baltimore again. And so, Matthew, you're the only one that has us winning a game against Baltimore this season. You I, have us winning this particular game. I just think we can. I, just, I don't think Baltimore's – they're obviously a great team. I don't think they're untouchable. I think division games are, are unique. We've, we saw how we could beat Baltimore last year. I mean, yes, we did get lucky on – I mean, we forced turnovers and we converted. And you have to be efficient against Baltimore or they're yeah. going to tear you apart. Um, I think having a year into watching Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman in that offense, teams are going to be better prepared for there's going to be more, There's going to be more of a script this year than there was in the past. There will there's be. No so I, I, I think especially late in the season, things will kind of start playing themselves out. And I think... You're just in the division. You see each other often enough that you're gonna know, you're gonna know how to how to play this team. I, I'm just not gonna like kiss the ring of Baltimore just yet, where I feel like they're unbeatable. Yeah, because we beat them last year, and we were yeah. terrible last year. I definitely think <laughs> it's within the realm of possibility that we beat them. I'm not writing it off as a loss, but I I think it's more likely that it's lo- like I look at that defense and how much more like experienced solid how much more talent they have than like the browns do for instance and it's just hard for me to see it happening i think they're better coached at the moment but thomas wasn't wasn't good last year in the back end and he's one year older now or old thomas they added Calais campbell who's still really great but he's old I think Earl Thomas, actually, I would like to look at the numbers, but I've heard some people talk about this, so this isn't really like my own take. This is like parroting what I've heard from other people. But that he had a couple really ugly plays that are like, you know, on our mind where he took the wrong angle or, you know, did something that made it look like he was cooked. But his grading on the whole season was actually quite good. And so, like, and that makes some sense to me. Like, I would have been quick to, like, say, oh, Earl Thomas is he, like. He looked cooked. In in a lot of so the games that we I played. hope he's cooked to be quite yeah. honest like I hope that he's got nothing left in the tank um, well and then he had the off season where he was he was <laughs> with with the girl with his brother <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that yes we texted about this you know about this so who, so who knows who knows what mindset Earl Thomas is gonna be. <laughs> That's a topic for another com- another time. I, I don't, it's not podcast kosher. Earl, Earl Thomas got caught cheating on his wife oh, in yep, a threesome yep. with his brother. Yep. <laughs> now I remember. It's all flooding back. <laughs> Unfortunately so. <laughs> what a strange situation. So the question mark is, I mean, if I'm you s- were in that situation, well, which I'm one s- of us would you well, pick? Yeah, no, that's the thing. Is I, I'm sitting here. I'm, <laughs> I'm staring at both of you. And that's... That's what Earl Thomas decided to do. <laughs> I'm literally looking both of you dead in the eye. Oh, God. <laughs> he made that decision. He said yes to that. Like, at some point, like. <laughs> uh, anyways. anyways. I'm going to say he's cooked. I'm going to say okay. he's cooked. Something's loose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which brings us to our New York trip. So. We then go to New York. We play at the New York Giants and at the New York Jets. All three of us have these as wins. Both these teams are not good. Thinking about the Giants is such an... This is like one of the teams. If they're playing, I'm going to want to watch. Their offensive talent is significant. Their offensive line is not ideal. But they have... 
the weirdest like I don't know what to think of this coaching staff that they put together. Joe Judge is their coach. Their offensive coordinator is Jason Garrett. It could they be, have Freddie Kitchens. Be, it could be like a shit show. Like like it might be a disaster. It might be fun. Like Joe Judge was making his players run laps. Like anything could be possible. I like the high school football. Play. Yeah, it's like Ugh, I've seen this not work before. Yeah. I mean, Saquon, they have Sterling Shepard, they have Golden Tate, they like they have an Ingram. They have I mean, they've got players. Like they could that could be a pretty good offense. Um anyways, I'm just super interested to see how that plays out. I don't think that highly of their defense in particular. I think they're going to have to score lots of points on offense, and I don't see Jason Garrett being the guy that's going to like construct an offense that's going to really like blow things out of the water. Um, and I don't I don't believe in Daniel Jones can, long-term, but he's certainly not the person right now to be the guy who leads a high-scoring, high-flying offense. But Jason Garrett can use the pieces that he's given effectively. I, I don't know if... Oh, it, I've picked Saquon in a cup. I've had the first overall pick in a couple best ball drafts, and I have not taken Christian McCaffrey with every single one because I really think Saquon is... I mean... If anybody feeds their running back, if anybody feeds their running back, it's Jason Garrett. Well, when's the last time Jason Garrett called plays? Oh, it's been a while. Well, he had he had play call. He kind of like grabbed play calling duties a couple times, like in in, in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, but anyways, I think it's very very. But do you really want to drive Saquon into the ground like that? Like, do you really want to run Saquon as much as you run Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, you shouldn't resign him, so why not? <laughs> Yeah. Get that value. Probably. No, yeah, I mean, I agree. So, I mean, we've got wins against the Giants and the Jets. Like, Jets, man, that's going to be tough. I like the direction they're going. I think their front office is doing a good job and making some shrewd moves. Sam Darnold still looks like a big fat question mark. Some shrewd moves in what way? Like, taking short-term hits for long-term gain? Like, that, that roster's fairly bare. Yeah, no, they are setting themselves up for the future. They have made some trades, accumulated draft picks, and... I've liked the picks that they've made in the draft and, and they, positioning that, where they have put themselves in. They made the big free agent signing last season. He played one game, got hurt, and now opted out. Yeah, but that was the, pre, that was the previous um, regime. regime. Yeah. Um, so anyways, but I don't think they're going to be very competitive this year at all. I think they, they might, they're in contention well, for, in one of the worst teams in the NFL. Like they might be on a new head coach by the time this game comes around. Yes. Oh, that's quite possible. That's quite possible. They I don't think likely Gase... come in. If, if you had to bet right now, who's the head coach of the New York Jets week 16, Adam Gase or an interim? Oh, an interim. Interim for sure. Adam Gase yeah. is the reason the Titans were so bad. Whenever, like two years ago. I don't think Adam Gase ever worked for the Titans, bud. Yeah, he didn't play for the Titans. No, I thought he was the offensive coordinator. No. He was the head coach of Miami. No, it was Matt LaFleur. Oh, LaFleur. Yeah, you're right. The head coach of the Green Bay Packers now. Yeah, you're correct. Gase was down in Miami. So, anyways, we got the Jets as a win across the board. The final game of the year, week 17, against the Pittsburgh Steelers on January 3rd. I've got a win. Matthew's got a win. Mark has a loss. He already mentioned he thinks we're going to split. He doesn't really know one way or the other. Anyways, I do kind of like ending on a like pretty high stakes in division game like you i feel like that is going to matter for playoff seeding like if we really are sitting at nine or ten wins like at, at that point in the season i bet you the steelers are in a pretty similar boat and 
whether we win or lose that game is going to affect like where we sit. Maybe if we make or don't make the playoffs. And well, isn't that a game that we lose to the Steelers? And that, that's why I was picturing. I put the Steelers in week tradi- seventeen. Traditionally, traditionally, yes. like week seventeen, <laughs> we play the Steelers, and, and we lose. It's going to have some sort of implication. And, and that's Corey why Coleman I, watches the ball go right through I, his hands. <laughs> I had us win in the first game, and then I was like, when it's really going to come down to it, we're going to lose week seventeen against the Steelers. I hope that's not the case, but. So, so yes, you're right. Historically, we do lose that game. I, I'm also interested, this is end of December, first week of January? Might there be fans January 3rd, in the stands? January 3rd, yeah. At, at that point? Hey, like, you know what? If, if we there lose are, and we play this game, I'm going to be happy. Like, if we make it to this point in the season, like, that's going to be a huge W in my mind. You, you say that now, and we're going to be like 9-7 and seven on the verge of the playoffs and lose, and you're going to be ticked. Yes and no. Sure. Um, in the grand scheme, I'm going to be glad I had a full football season. I think I think this is one of those games that like we've got the roster where we feel like we're in playoff contention. There there are seven playoff teams this year. Yep, don't, don't helps forget. us a lot. Which, we could have three FC North which, playoff teams. Like there's abs- no absolutely question that um, that's in the cards. I think this is one of those games where. It's a it's a put up or shut up, and you have to expect that you can come into this game at home, week seventeen, when it matters, and pull out a win against a team that you're comparably talented to. Like like at some point you have to stop like fearing your division opponents and actually be like, all right, come on, bring it on. Yep. And I I actually think that that Miles Garrett moment last year maybe helps where it. It changes this narrative where it's not like the historic Browns versus Steelers of the last like 20, 20 years. Did you it, feel good after that? No, no, Did but it, but like, it gives but it gives everybody an edge. It gives everybody like a, a way like, to like reframe it, where it's not like, oh man, the Steelers have kicked our ass for the last twenty years. It's like, oh, remember when Miles beat the shit out of Mason Rudolph with a helmet, and they're pissed, and we're pissed, and like we're gonna go to bat for our guy. Like, yeah, I feel like that changes the. The, the dynamic of the rivalry. There will be a different tenor to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, those will be the You're, most intense games. Of you, the you feel different about it, right? And like I can't imagine how the players feel, especially because Miles is like the best guy in the world. Like everybody on that roster seems to love him. Yeah. All right, so that brings us the grand totals to ten and six for Mark and I and Matthew. Still optimistic, even after taking a couple, you know, backing down off of his thirteen and three. <laughs> eleven he's, and five. He's sitting at a eleven moderate, and five. A moderate eleven and five. A gentleman's eleven <laughs> and five. I love it. If it turns out, if the season turns out anything like this, I think all three of us will be ecstatic. Um, the the schedule is favorable. We're not playing great teams, um, but. You never know how it's going to shake We've out got with two, COVID. Two easy, easy games within the first three weeks, which is great. And then we finish off in the last three weeks playing both the New Yorks, which yeah. is going to be really huge. If we need to make a run right at the very end of the season, we're going to have an opportunity to do yeah. so. And two division games where you're going to have you to win division games swing. to make the playoffs and, yeah. and do that. So, if we lose, if we lose to Baltimore and the Steelers at the beginning of the season, we can win those games and make up huge strides at the very end of the season. So there's a potential there. Um, if we end up 10 and six, if we end up 11, and five, if we end up, it'll be hard to not make the playoffs at either one at 10 and six with, with seven, with, with seven, seven playoff teams. teams. I mean, 10 and six is going to make the playoffs. We finished 10 and six in 2007 and missed the playoffs as the seventh team. And it was like the second time in NFL history or something that a 10 yeah. and six team and yeah. missed the playoffs. So 
10 and 6 is going to get it done. I'm quite certain as well. This was an exercise that I needed. This got me like excited. Like like thinking what, through you, like you the, weren't you weren't excited before? I mean I was excited, but it took me to the next level. This makes me excited. Yeah. I can't wait to actually I mean September September thirteenth is gonna be a great day. I cannot wait for that Baltimore game. It it's is, gonna be unique because and then college, we're gonna lose. And then we're oh, just gonna no, be like, Yeah, I, I know, this is great. I know we're gonna lose. That's what I <laughs> yeah. know. I like I that is what watching Browns football is. It but it's the excitement of the anticipation the yeah. that the NFL like the first Browns game is going to be the first like real taste of football we get this season isn't, or the, I'm a- used isn't to, the ACC kicking off on normal are schedule are they on normal schedule oh I thought everybody they, was delayed I, I don't I only pay attention to the SEC the so. SEC delayed two weeks or three weeks or whatever it yeah. was the ACC is still kicking off on the 12th okay what well, in well. the world Matthew I'm interested to hear your take about the Big Ten what do you think about that like, I, I see it as, like, it makes no sense to me because. In what way? Well, I mean, all these players are going to be in, in school. All these other, like, football teams are going to be playing. They're going to be at the university already. The only, they're all going to be tested and they're all going to be marked. Like, the only exposure that they're going to get is to the other players. And the risk is something. It, it really is. So, so but I, 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 but I, like, the, but as a conference, as a conference, the consequences of not playing an entire season, I think, are drastic, and so I'm shocked that they made this decision. So I think what you look at there um, is that you you look at the conferences that opted out already in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. They're dominated by by largely like universities that have higher academic standards and presidents who who run them accordingly i i think that the the issue is not so much people being on campus as much as if you're going to operate a football program and enter into that risk like you're going to need to be able to test people right and the testing costs money and they don't have the they don't have that ability to be able to guarantee that they can do it Right, because if you're going to do it, you're going to have to be able to test people and to to cover your own ass, right? To be no, like, yeah, for no, sure. no, nobody right. had it. Like we went out there, and so that's probably. I also don't think I people don't are going to. I also don't think people are going to be on campus for for much longer. You already saw UNC came on campus for a week, had like 50 cases break out, and now they're now they're in online school. That took a week. So you can't have college football and have this guise of amateurism if there's not actually students on campus, if the college football players are the only people on campus who are then also playing sports. No, yeah. So, so I, I think it creates this issue. I think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are uniquely positioned in the way that they're administrated to be the ones to step up and be like, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to do it. It's fine. The rest of the conferences are, in my opinion, buying time. I I would be shocked if we had a a full college football season still, but we'll see. I'm optimistic I I can watch SEC football, but... I think if every other conference drops out, the SEC is still going to play football. I have, like, deep in my bones, I believe that the SEC is going to play a full season no matter what. Like, and, and and that's going to be continue to propel their dominance into the future. And, like, they have, as far as the Big Ten, like, they have money. They're, they can they can test people. I don't buy that. 
But but I mean, it comes down to like who's paying for it, where's the money coming from, like it's and expensive. what are your academic priorities? I, I yeah, recognize. and then and then you've got to have each each program doing it. So it's like, yeah, Ohio State wants to do it, but does Iowa State? I mean, Iowa State's in the Big Twelve, but uh, you know, you know, like who who Purdue? Like, does Purdue really want to play football? They want to play basketball. I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe maybe not. Right. I'm just crossing um, my fingers. Just crossing so, my fingers. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, at the very least, we'll hopefully have a couple weeks of NFL football. Um, and that will be fun. It will be a devastating and sad podcast if uh, the rest of the season gets canceled. But we are hoping that oh, that, that will be really sad. Oh, my gosh. We won't be, we won't be uh, in your podcast feed. Definitely not. If there's no NFL season, we were not recording podcasts. There's no doubt about that. We'll just do like a 10-second one. Just be like, peace. <laughs> or, or we could fake it like we did at the beginning of this podcast and just act like games happened. Wait, we were faking? <laughs> just pretend. Oh, that would be really sad. I'm not going to lie. That would be... A, a, mid, a mid-season NFL cancellation would... It's like, not only are we not getting the, be the season, we're not getting our podcast. Like, there's just, like, all these things just falling apart. Like, the whole fall just completely goes in the tank. Well, no, 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 you misunderstand. I'm saying it would be very sad if we went and pretended to record a podcast every, <laughs> every week after we didn't play a game. We pretended like yes. a game happened. Yes, yes that, that would be, be very sad. sad. And, I mean, this is going to be a weird podcast season anyway. I mean, as we look through the season, what's going to happen with, pandemic and then look to the draft with potentially half of college football playing half of it not like who knows what's gonna happen plenty of content what are spring college football maybe like weird jv spring college football oh jeez that'd be cool the rock just bought the xfl so who knows what happens there that's gonna be intense those beer snakes are gonna get even bigger (laughs) (laughs) no doubt the rock bought the xfl with his ex-wife and a capital partnership group, which is mostly like with his ex-wife. It's like his ex-wife like runs that or works for that oh, or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, if anybody's going to buy the XFL. I mean, it was only Rocks $15 million. I say only, but, but it's like, but what, ro- what a dynamic to like go spend $15 million with your ex-wife on a new like Good for venture. them. It seems like they have a healthy relationship. I love that. Yeah. Him and JC Treader is going to do something with his ex wife, too. <laughs> something similar. We the brought new it full circle, folks. The new commissioner of the XFL. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. I hope you uh, enjoyed the podcast and appreciate us being back. We are certainly having a good time. Um, thanks so much. Um, be sure to follow us on our Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers. Follow us on Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. And send us an email sinofourfathers at gmail.com if you have anything you would like us to talk about. We check our email sometimes. So if uh, you I get it. notifications, so at least one of us checks it. All right. Michael wants you to know. We're getting that he... a lot of spam these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of you is responsible for that. It's definitely not my fault. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, all right. Peace out. Go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs> <laughs>